0: Last week we began our fall sermon series on King David, and uh, we were introduced to David last week. And for those of you that don't know the story, uh, David's life uh, is it begins to be covered in Scripture in First Samuel chapter 16, and David was a virtual unknown. In fact, when Samuel, the priest, comes to Jesse's house, David's father, and is looking for the next king of Israel. David is out shepherding the sheep and he's virtually forgotten by his father. And so he is, for all intents and purposes, someone who really is of no consequence to the family as far as they're concerned. He's probably about middle school age and he's probably short in stature. And the ones that were considered kingly of the family, the older brothers, Even though they look kingly, the Lord said to Samuel, You look on the outside, but the Lord looks on the heart. And David's heart was already given over to the Lord to a large extent. And David, apparently at this stage in his life, spent a lot of time in solitude. Out shepherding the sheep. And all during that time... Some of the skills that he would later use in that time of solitude were being honed. For example, in that solitude, he was developing a relationship with the Lord. We see that come out in the Psalms. While he's shepherding, probably in his heart, this psalm that would come out later, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is being formed in his heart. He teaches himself how to play the lyre, which is a stringed instrument, that he would end up being called into Saul's court to play to comfort him when he's going through some troubled times. He learns, he practices, and perfects this use of the sling, which is like a slingshot, that he would fend off a lion and a bear at one point from the sheep. Sounds like the Wizard of Oz, lions and tigers and bears. That would come in really handy in the very next chapter that we see in Scripture, that we heard read from. And so, all during this time, in this time when he's a virtual unknown, when he's considered of no consequence in effect to the family, all of these wonderful skills are developing and people don't know about. But the Lord knew. And the Lord knew what was in his heart at this point. And so we're told right at the end of this first chapter that David's life is covered that Samuel calls him and anoints him as king. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a vessel that was already ready because he knew the Lord already. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. But then, basically, as far as we know, he just goes back to being a shepherd. And his brothers, apparently, are called to war. And then you see, next scene, the Valley of Elah. And in the Valley of Elah, which is, by the way, a valley of about a half a mile wide at this point, you see the army of Israel on one side, and you see the army of the Philistines on the other side. And not much is going on except this guy by the name of Goliath comes out every day, 40 days in a row we're told, and he taunts the army of Israel. He says, come on, I'll take on all comers. Anybody want to come out? Whoever wins, your army or my army will serve the other army. Whoever who wins, it doesn't matter. Winner takes all. And that's the scene. So then we're reintroduced to David. David is promoted from shepherd to Aaron boy. He shows up with the brother's lunch. Here, take some food to your brothers. Go ahead. Can you imagine what David would be experiencing at that point? Remember, he's probably middle school. He's probably on the shorter side. You know, he's not ready to be in the army yet. So he's going to the front. And he's probably saying, on the one hand... This is going to be so cool. I'm going to get to see the armies. And it's not as dangerous as like it would be today. So he's probably, on the one hand, all excited. And he's taking all this in. He might be a little intimidated, might be a little fearful. So he's going to the front, and he's got his brother's lunch. And he's probably looking around, seeing all this stuff. And then he sees this giant come out, okay, this Philistine. So that's the scene. And we're told that this giant comes out, and he's described in 1 Samuel 17. And probably what you heard, read, or what you read in your bulletin, most of those figures mean little to nothing to you. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Goliath. Goliath is probably a descendant of the Nephilim. The Nephilim are described in Genesis chapter 6. They're this this people group that are probably larger than others. Some would call them giants. The description of Goliath is he's probably about 9 foot tall. Okay, that's the description. He's obviously a really large guy, so much so that everybody else is intimidated. The armor that's described of Goliath, which David would later claim, and so they weighed it, was over 150 pounds. So he's obviously a really strong guy. His spear, the head of the spear alone, is 19 pounds. So you're talking someone who is really formidable. This is an intimidating guy. And so the army of Israel... They're all saying, okay, who's going to take him on? It ain't going to be me. And they're probably all waiting for Saul, because if you know the description of Saul, who was called to be the first king, Saul is, quote-unquote, head and shoulders above everybody else. Probably around that time, he might be, might be six foot tall. So this guy's half a time, half a person, Taller than Saul. And Saul's back at the camp saying, gee, I wonder who's going to go out and take this guy on. Nobody. That's the scene. Forty days. And nobody's doing much of anything. Because I think the Philistines didn't want to take on the Israelite army. But no Israelite wanted to take on... Goliath, who was probably hired, by the way. Okay, so David shows up on the scene, and he's probably all excited, maybe a little intimidated, and he sees what's going on as a young teenager. Now, for any of you who are people who read the Bible as a kid or looked at the Bible as a kid, And you know this story. You know this story because you grew up maybe hearing David and Goliath. I remember there were two sides of me when I heard this story. Part of me is, no way. I mean, I would be scared to death of this giant guy, okay? And part of me is intrigued because you know as a kid you always want to be the hero. You always picture yourself as the hero. Whether it be in sports or you're playing, as a kid, army guys with your friends Or you're playing superheroes. You always want to be the hero. You save the day. And so David, as a kid, being this hero, you say, yeah, I could do that. And so there's something about David that you're drawn to. And so David hears this this guy out there and, and he's in awe about this but he's also in awe of the fact that he is defying the army as he puts it of the living God and no one is taking him on and he's saying Are you kidding me this is God's army and no one's taking this godless philistine on how can you be that way how can you don't you trust the Lord Now remember he's a little kid And he's probably saying this out loud, and his brothers are saying, oh, here's the brat again. He's anointed king, and he thinks he's somebody. He probably came out here just because he's curious. And most of the guys are seeing him as an errand boy, but somehow he says to someone, what do I get if I get this guy, if I kill him? Now, see, here's the side of David that makes him seem real. Because when you hear a lot of biblical figures, you think they're all so perfect. David is not perfect. If you read the story of David, he's not perfect. He's very human. He's got lots of flaws. And here's the first one. David's saying, in a sense, what do I get if I win? And, and most of us would be like that, if you're honest. I've been like that, even when I'm in the ministry. If I do something for the Lord, sometimes it's like, okay, what do I get? Or if I do something and I'm not recognized, and I remember one time in my life when I was serving in Texas, I did something really big for the diocese. And they and they recognize somebody else, and it's like I am really ticked off. <laughs> you know, it almost reminds you of, for those of you that saw the movie, I love the movie Field of Dreams, and Kevin Costner, Ray. He's he's doing all this stuff. He builds this field, and he's traveling all over the place. And finally, we get towards the end of the movie, and he and he turns to James Earl Jones. And he says, "I never asked. What's in it for me?" And James Earl Jones saying, well, what are you saying, Ray? And he says, what's in it for me? And that's really it sometimes. We want to know if we go to all this trouble, if we do this, and in David's case, if I put my life on the line, what's in it for me? It shows that he's not perfect. So the next scene David volunteers. And they bring him to Saul. And Saul says, You're a kid. You can't go out there against this Philistine. And if you are going to go out, you've got to take my armor. Well, remember, Saul, for starters, is much bigger than David, and David is still probably a middle school kid. So he goes to put this armor on him, and it's like way too big, and his sword is way too big for him to, and it's not comfortable for him because he's not a trained soldier. And he says, no, this doesn't work for me. And Saul's probably in the back of his mind thinking, if I send this kid out, you know, the expectation of the Philistine army is if. David loses, then our army is going to serve their army because that's the stipulation that this Philistine's throwing out there. So he's thinking, what am I going to do? And David is going, I got this. What do you think Saul's thinking? Seriously? What do you think Saul's thinking? But the reality is, David has to go out there alone. He has to go out there alone. Saul won't go with him. The army won't go with him. The deal is, and David's chosen it, he has to go out there alone. The fact of the matter is is that Saul and the army are going to be praying for David, I guarantee you, because of the stipulation. But David had to go out there alone. No one was going to go with him. No one was going to bail him out. David had to go out there alone. Think about that. There are times in our lives Where we have to go it alone. Nobody can do it for us. And this was one of those times that David had to go out there alone. And you know the other reality of this? Is if David loses, the consequences fall on everyone. That's a tough one to think about. I don't know if you've ever been in that position or fell in that position. I have. That I have to make a decision. I'm the only one that can make the decision. I have to do this alone. And the consequences will fall on more than just me. You know, sometimes people will say, I'm there with you, or, you know, I can relate. And the fact of the matter is, that's sometimes true, and sometimes it's not. But you know the other reality is? David was not alone, and he knew he wasn't alone. Why? Because he had been in a solitude place before, alone as a shepherd. And you know what he always knew when he was out there as a shepherd? That the Lord was always with him. That's what he learned in solitude. He wasn't by himself. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. David learned in those solitude places that he was never alone. What did he say? What did he say? When this Philistine, he walks out there alone, and this Philistine looks at him and says, oh, great. What do you think, I'm a dog? Are you kidding me? He sent this kid out after me? He gets the taunts. And David says, I come out in the name of the Lord. He knows he's not alone. And he says, oh, by the way, the battle is the Lord's. It's not even mine. It's the Lord's. He knows he's not out there alone. Who guided that stone perfectly with this guy having a helmet on and armor on? I mean, David's skilled, yes. David's not alone. David knew the Lord was with him. David was not distracted by the circumstances of life, by the material things that this guy had on, by the power, the world's power that he saw before him. That's what we often get distracted by. We hear the taunts of the world. We see the world's power We see the material things. We see the world's answer. And we think that's the way it's supposed to be. And so we get distracted. We get intimidated instead of saying, the Lord has this. I am not alone. He's got me. He's got this. And not only that, David had an army praying for him. David had Saul praying for him. You bet he did. They didn't want to serve the Philistines. By the way, the Philistines didn't honor what ended up happening. They all fled. But David knew he wasn't alone. And the Lord delivered him. You know, one of the first verses I ever learned, I ever memorized... Was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I'm sure David understood that. And lean not on your own understanding, not on the world's ways, not on my ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Not you. He will make your path straight. He'll make that stone fly straight. The way it needs to fly. When Paul the Apostle came to an understanding of what faith is all about, in Philippians 3, he lines up all the things he relied on. He said, I was a Pharisee, I was a good Jew, I was a Benjaminite, I did all these things perfectly. And you know what? It all doesn't matter. What it comes down to is trusting in the Lord. It's by faith that we're saved that we have salvation and eternal life. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. It's the Lord. It's the Lord for salvation, it's the Lord for eternal life, and it's the Lord for all the challenges and struggles and trials we face. This is not the only time David was alone or will be alone. David was alone as a shepherd boy. That's where he his skills were honed. That's where he developed a relationship with the Lord. That's where he became a ready vessel to be filled by the Holy Spirit when Samuel anointed him. We need those times Of quiet before the Lord, to grow in that relationship, to become a ready vessel. David would eventually have to flee from Saul. It made no sense. He served Saul. And he would be alone and on the run. And the Lord took care of him yet again. Not his fault. David would eventually have to flee Jerusalem because of his family problems. One of his sons tried to take over the, th- the throne. He made a lot of mistakes as a husband and a father. The Lord still delivered him. The Lord was still with him because he repented and sought the Lord. David learned over and over again. He was never alone. You know, we all face giants. Trials, struggles, challenges, pain. Sometimes they're not of our own doing. Sometimes they are. And when we're His... We're never alone. Never alone. And when we ask for it, we can have an army praying for us. You might not be facing a Goliath right now. If you're not, you can thank the Lord not long from now. You might be on a mountaintop. You might be. But the valleys are out there. Just like the valley of Elah. And the one who will fight your battle is the same one who fought David's battle. And what you need to remember on top of what David experienced. is that Jesus Christ went to the cross in your place for your sin. He has defeated the power of sin and death. There is nothing in this world or in your life that he has not and cannot or will not overcome. And has sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to endure or overcome whatever you face. Whatever giant you might be facing. That's the reality. Sometimes you need to remember the giants that have already been conquered in your life. Sometimes you need to return to that childlike faith you had at one time and sometimes you need to remember what God has done in history in his word in the lives of people like David and through his son Jesus Jesus went to the cross alone David faced Goliath alone. But they were never alone. And God's Spirit delivered them, just like He will deliver you. Let's pray. Right before Jesus ascended and stood there with his apostles and disciples. We were told that some doubted. And I'm sure some questioned. And Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. And then he would send his Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you for the witness of David. That though he was alone facing Goliath, he knew that you were the one there with him. And that the battle was yours. Lord, that we are blessed to know that through the cross you have defeated the power of any sin. You have defeated the power of death. That we need not fear anything in this world, any giant that we face. That you've given us your Holy Spirit to empower us and strengthen us and bring us your presence. That you've given us an army to pray for us. And all we need to do is ask. Lord, give us the faith of that shepherd boy. Remind us of the giants that you've defeated in the past. And help us to trust you now. And when we face any giants in the future. Until we see you face to face. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.